Hey church, I have a very interesting subject we're going to get into today, and before we do, I really want to share a little bit about a, a book I've been reading or finished up uh, on the life of C.T. Studd, who was a missionary in the 1800s, missionary in China, missionary in India, and a missionary in Africa, and in Africa, he wanted to go to places no one had been before. He wanted to share the gospel and, and start a, a new work and they established this mission there, and thousands of Africans were being saved, and people would venture into the mission and say, we have heard that you have the knowledge of God. That the knowledge of God is taught here. So they were coming out of the paganism, they were coming out of cannibalism and all these things to be saved because they had the knowledge of God. As a church, we have the knowledge of God, and with the knowledge of God, there is a language there is things that we speak as Christians, there's things that we say, and it's, it affects our very life. But I want you to know, it is very easy in our culture to take the title Christian. Uh, for us to be Christians, we are to repent. The Scriptures are very clear about that. Jesus preached repentance, Paul preached repentance. It is a New Testament, Old Testament theme that we are to metanoia, we are to have a change of mind about our sin. We are to turn away from that, believe in Jesus Christ. That we forsake our sin. And we find forgiveness only when we forsake our sin. Uh, forgiveness is not just some superficial thing where people say, well, I want forgiveness. Only God literally can forgive you, but you have to forsake the sin. You have to confess it to Him to make it right. We forsake our sin. We follow Jesus now. And then we are to have a fruitful life. We are being made in the image of Christ. It's not just saying I'm a Christian. It's that I am becoming as God has called me to be. That I am to be Christ-like. Um, and, and I wanted to share that with you before we get into the subject today. Because something has happened in Christianity. Is that our language has shifted. Uh, we have actually tried to be so relevant with the culture. Uh, that we have almost become irrelevant. Because in our relevancy... We're trying to be like everyone else rather than demonstrating who we are in God to people who need God. So you see the slide today. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about our language. And as we begin, I want to share about a pastor um, and, and what he used to begin sermons with. Now, he became kind of a cool pastor and everybody liked it because he did this thing. And, and this is what he did. He had a famous sermon opener. And he, said, he would say as he began to speak uh, and have a message, I have three things I'd like to say today. First, while you were sleeping last night, 30,000 kids died of starvation or diseases related to malnutrition. Second, most of you don't give a blank. What, and, and that would catch everybody's attention. And he would say, what's worse is that you're more upset with the fact that I said blank than with the fact that 30,000 kids died last night. Now, this sermon introduction was not done that way to raise money to help starving children. It was done in such a way to make you feel awkward, to get your attention because he said, uh, used a profanity word. It was a gimmick that led to the breakdown of standards and the sacredness of speech, especially in the pulpit. It, it created a trend, and the problem is that he never needed to do that. 
If there's a little issue, you know, he was trying to say, you're more concerned about this little issue with the word I said than this big issue. Uh, we should be concerned about many issues, uh, small or big. But he wasn't doing it for the right reason. He was doing it to get people's attention. And now profanity has been brought into the pulpit. And it began to be a trend amongst pastors. We even had it, at, it happen at a church a, um, several years ago where an evangelist came. And he wanted to use a certain word to get everybody's attention to make a point. And what happens when you do that, everybody's mind is now grabbed onto that word. And, and they, it, it makes everything else, you don't even recognize it. And our pastor had to take this evangelist and set him down and, and have a heart-to-heart. The thing is today, if you don't adopt the language of the world, if you don't use profanity, you end up being the odd person out. And what I want to share with you at the beginning is that it's okay to be the odd person out. We are to go into the culture and not become the culture, but speak the things of God to people. I don't go and necessarily become like them and do life like them, even though Paul said, to the weak I became weak, to the strong I became strong, to the Roman I would be, as a Roman I would speak in those things. But it doesn't mean he began to live in sin or use profanity. Now, even the Avengers captures this situation. If you've seen the movie, um, one of the movies that uh, one of the, the characters, Iron Man, says a, a cuss word, and uh, Captain America says language. And, and it was like this awkward moment, and they end up picking on him because of it. Oh, he's the nerdy, pure Christian guy, you know, that calls you out for cussing. And you laugh at that when it happens, but the, the truth is, it has become like that. That if you tell people to tone it down or to calm down, that we're gonna not, not going to talk like that. So profanity has become such a trend in our culture that even Christians are being fooled into using the language. We are losing the purity of our speech because we are speaking and acting and doing life like everyone else. And our goal as Christ followers is not to be trendy. That's not the goal. It's not to fit into culture. It's to be Christ-like. When Jesus showed up in a scenario, He didn't start speaking and acting like everyone else. When the apostles went to establish missions and preach the gospel, they didn't cuss people out that went into Jesus. And so I want you to see that here at the beginning, there should be something different about us as Christians, that the knowledge that we have is different. And the very way that we speak in the culture says everything about us. We're, people are observing how we live and how we act. And this is what people want to know. Is what we have real? And, I, and this is what I really believe, and I've been sharing it for years, because when I came back and returned to the church in 2003, we committed our lives to Christ and the church, I began to see real hypocrisy, and I began to see the fact that, yes, you can take the term Christian, and a lot of people thought, well, I'm American, and thus I'm Christian, but I really believe if people grew up in China, they would be Buddhist. They are Christian because they've grown up in America. Not because they've been born again of trust in Jesus Christ. Many people, I believe, if, they were, if you're born in India, you would be Hindu. If you're born in the Middle East, you possibly might be Muslim unless the gospel has come to you. But here's the deal. When you are born again, and you're being transformed into the image of God, this new heart, out of this new heart comes new life. 
And a changed heart produces something different in the world. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus speaks to the subject of what is coming out of the heart in verses 33 through 37. Jesus says this, Either make the tree good and its fruit, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. Basically, pick a side. If you're going to be bad, be bad. Quit putting on the show. If you're going to be good, be good. For the tree is known by its fruit. And this is what he says, and everybody thinks Jesus walked around and made everybody feel good. He says, you brood of vipers. John the Baptist said that, Jesus said that, now everybody's upset now that he has said that. How can you speak good when you are evil, knowing their hearts? Why do you pretend to be good? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What is in my heart comes out, and it's what I say, and it's how I live. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good, if you have the goodness of God. The evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. And this is radical. I'm preparing this message, and I'm speaking to some of the issues in how we speak and profanity. And Jesus literally says that we will give account for every careless word that we speak. Now, as I'm preparing for this, I was like, man, I've said a lot of bad stuff. I've said some stupid things. You, you say and you do things, but this is to hold us accountable to say this is real. There is a coming judgment, and how we speak matters to God. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Let's pray together this morning. Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, your life transforming power and the Holy Spirit who makes us new, that we put away the old today. And Lord, I pray that we adopt the language of heaven, that we speak of God, and that the, the Holy Spirit that is in us, the things that we say emerges from the good that is within. And Lord, that we are demonstrating you well in the community regardless of the things that we face and Lord, that we are mindful of the things that we say. As King Solomon said, there's a time to speak, there's a time to be quiet, and, and we need to be careful as Christ followers in what we say. Bless your words as they go forward in Christ's name. Amen. In church, our culture wants something that is real, they want something that is authentic. And the truth is, and I've watched this, and we're still dealing with it, we're trying to have a course correction, but we've been offering an alternative version of Christianity that says this. You can speak, you can act, you can spend, you can live exactly like the world and still call yourself a Christian. That is not the message of God. The message of the gospel is that you are to be changed by the good news of God. You are to be a different person. There should be conviction of these things. The Holy Spirit reveals to you things in your life that need to change. And here it is because we've been offering an alternative Christianity. At the end of the day... These people, um, when we tell them about Jesus, they might come to church for a little while. They may, you know, they're observing our lives, but they will go back to their regular lives because they've seen that in their, in their mind it doesn't work. Or they can, I can say I'm a Christian and not live, um, I can say I'm a Christian and not live like a Christian. But it's about surrendering our life to Christ giving up the things that I want to do, giving up the things that I, that I know that I shouldn't be doing as I follow Him. Now, Christ interrupts our lives and we either follow Him or we keep living the same. And this is what we've reduced our testimony to today. We want to give ourselves a pass. Now, I think we should be quick to judge ourselves before we judge others. 
Um, but we are kind of giving ourselves a pass and we'll say, I'm a Christian, but I still cuss a little. Uh, I'm a Christian, uh, but I still get high a little on the side. I'm a Christian, but I still get drunk a little, or I still steal a little, and I envy and I covet and I cheat a little. And here it is, Christ is calling us to not do that anymore. That we have been rescued out of those things. And a life like that, if you continue to live that way, is not a testimony of the transforming power of God at all. What are we really giving testimony to? What is this God? Who is this God? What has He really done in my life? Now, I, in all of this, I speak from experience. Now, as you know, many of you know, I was in the Navy. And if you're in the military, they indoctrinate you with a new language. And it's not only just military language, it's profanity. And it's the worst things ever. And so I, I did my best to not speak that way when I was in the Navy. And actually, when I got out, I struggled with it more because I, it was in my glossary. It was in my dictionary. I really struggled with that, and it took a while um, to overcome those things. And there is a period of overcoming where you're wrestling with the thing. Am I going to really follow God? Am I going to continue to do things like the world? But to stop cussing doesn't just happen overnight. I mean, it's something you actually have to strive to work at. And some of you may have brought that issue with you today. It's made that you're wrestling with these things. Now, I want you to know this is what I hear in my mind as I'm preparing this. Pastor, is this really what we're going to deal with? It's such a little issue, isn't it? I'm just, you know, I lose my temper and I cuss a little and it should be fine. But here's the deal. If there's a big hole in the boat or a small hole, it still has to be dealt with. And it's hard to deal with the big things in your life if you're not even training yourself to deal with the small things. And here it is. God convicts us about these things and we need to respond to that. And Christ is to be Lord. Here it is. Christ is to be Lord over our speech and our language. I, um, I had the opportunity to work construction after high school and I was thankful to have a Christian uh, foreman. I mean, he would hire guys from the church, and so it was rare to hear those type of language unless he hired someone else. And then he was like, beep, 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 beep. and you're like, we're not used to that, you know. Uh, but you could hear it shouting from the other construction uh, guys building houses in the area. You could just, there's a different element. And there should be for us as Christians. There is a language that we should have. The Ten Commandments even speak to how we should speak. It deal, two to three of them deal with how we talk. The New Testament deals with, throughout the entire Bible, it deals with the tongue. The book of James alone, every chapter is dealing with how we speak and what we say and how we live. This, the tongue, James says, is a little spark and it lights the entire world on fire. The words that we say, you know why they call it cursing? Because you curse people. You're saying you blank or you go to blank. We are to be a people who are blessing people. We have to correct the things that we say. Now for it to begin, we have to deal with the heart. It begins with the heart. And Jesus says this in verse 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If my heart is transformed, is good, guess what comes out? Good. Now I want you to know, I, I, um, I'll give you... I think that everybody, for the most part, has said a cuss word. For the most part. Uh, and I'm not talking about you're working on the engine and your hand slips and you hit something in the cold, in the winter, and boop, something slips out. Now, I think we want to work on that, but I'm not speaking to, you know, I, somebody cut me off and I slammed on brakes and I said, you know, something slipped out. 
I'm not speaking to that as much as, is it your habit? Is this your very nature that this is your language as we represent Christ? So one of the first things I think changes when you believe in Jesus Christ is that what we say should change because the heart is changed. I read of a general years ago and heard about his testimony of when he turned to Jesus Christ. And the first thing he said changed was his language. Now he's in the military. Everybody speaks that way. And another thing he did is he dumped out all his liquor and people drove by and saw his recycling bin piled up, and they're like, oh, he's, you know, he's still getting drunk. I thought he was a Christian, but he was dumping out all his liquor. And he said he would go around the guys and the other soldiers, and they realize he's a Christian. He's trying not to cuss and fumbling over his words. And it's, it's an awkward scenario. But it should be awkward that when we come into a situation that we don't act just like everyone else in the scenario. And when somebody starts having these, hor- these the, the horrible jokes, here's what's popular in our culture. That's what she said. And and, and what happens is guys see that and say, oh, that's what she said. Then they start repeating it. And I had to tell somebody, she never said that. She, She never said that. Quit lying. And she wouldn't say that about you. And she wouldn't be happy if you even said that. But we like to start saying these these little jokes that get into our mind and we think it's cool. What's in the well of the heart is revealed in the bucket of the mouth. It's how, if you're drawing up from your heart, it should be pleasant. It should be good. As a father or mother, when you're oppressed, when you're under pressure, what comes out? Do you lose your temper and, and curse at your kids? Now, I saw years ago, I, uh, I began to realize that my kids were paying attention. Your kids might not always listen to what you tell them to do, but they're listening and watching. And uh, I had a Jeep. I loved my Wrangler Jeep. And, uh, but I would drive it like it was a NASCAR. And as I was going through traffic in Raleigh, you know, I'd be like, stop. Like, oh, man, I want a grain. And I started fussing and complaining and possibly cussing. And, and I heard one of my kids in the back going, it sounded like they had Tourette's all of a sudden. And I was like, oh, what's going on back there? And I was like, oh, they're actually mimicking everything that I'm doing. And I realized in that, wow, I need to be careful because now I'm training my kids to do the same thing. If you're new to the faith, there's going to be a period of struggle. You have to decide, am I really going to fall under the Lordship of Christ or am I going to continue the way the world does things? And there is that struggle. We call it sanctification where you're being made whole and pure. God is purifying your heart. But here's the problem is that Christians started backtracking. And they felt like, well, I'm just being too religious or I'm being too legalistic. And that's not so at all. That our very language is to change by God. And another thing I want you to see, church, is how we speak matters. Paul writes this in Colossians. But now you must put them all away. He's speaking of our old behavior. Remember, our belief in Christ changes our behavior. We have a new nature. Put away anger. Now, we are to have a righteous anger. He's talking about losing your temper with wrath and Getting mad all the time. Put those things away. Malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. The Bible never tells you not to cuss. I don't know what obscene is exactly, but it sounds bad. Put away the things that we say that's profane, that's bad. Paul actually goes on to write this in Ephesians 5.4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. Now if you've of course, military, co-workers, there's people that tell jokes. And, and sometimes on the inside, I'm like, that's kind of funny. 
And I was like, no, I'm not repeating that. You know, and there's a measure of where you recognize that, and you're sucked into some of this, this joking and things like that, but you want to, to rein those things back in. I mean, I've shared this with you guys before, um, that I had a coworker who was a deacon in a church and sang in the choir out of all things, oh, we love God. And throughout the week, beep, 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 beep. The Bible talks about that. So blessing and cursings come out of the same mouth. There's a hypocrisy. You see there's a difference there. But I remember they were telling, he, he was telling this joke and thought it was cool and it was awkward because it was a sexual joke. There's women there, obviously. And, uh, and I was like, he said, Derek, why aren't you laughing? I said, it was a dirty joke. And this guy threw a temper tantrum. A grown man in his 50s, I was in my uh, late 20s at the time, because I was under conviction, and I felt like God was helping me there, and I thought it was odd that this guy who was a leader in the church was speaking that way, and this guy lost his temper and kicked some things and ran out of the, the office. And I was like, it was a dirty joke. He was mad about it because he felt like it was okay. He had adopted that, and the, the, the environment shifted. In fact, the environment shifts when a Christian shows up and the pastor. Like people start cussing if they know the pastor. They're like, mm, mm, I'm sorry, pastor. I, I didn't. And they'll apologize. Why do they apologize to the pastor for cussing? Because they know that something's not right about it. That they're not having a control over what they, they say. We are to have a control over that. No crude joking, no foolish talk, no filthiness should come out of our mouth. Now, an argument is made, well, uh, they're only obscene words, or we call them bad words because the culture has made them bad. We've assigned them to be uh, bad words, so we deem them such. I want you to know, whatever Paul was talking about in the first century, if I tell you today, stop using profanity, you know what words I'm talking about. I don't have to define it, I don't have to say it, you already know. If I tell you to stop using uh, obscene jokes... You know what I'm talking about. I don't have to write it down or explain it. Same thing during Paul's time. Whatever the cuss word was at the time, they knew what it was, and he was speaking to it. But we use that sometimes to make a defense. It's only because we said it's bad, but here it is. The Holy Spirit reveals it to you. I feel a conviction when I say certain words, and even in the manner I say them. I remember I said a cuss word when I was a kid. I cussed out my brother. He did something, and I was mad, and I said, boop, boop, and I was like, oh, man. I was like, I felt like the judgment of God was coming against me kind of a thing, but I was like, whoa, because I said the worst of the worst. And I was, oh, my gracious. But there was, there was some conviction there because I knew it was wrong and that I shouldn't have been saying it. The Holy Spirit convicts us of these things. Uh, to be honest, think about our culture. We even have a rating system in the movies to rate movies based on if they have language or not or profanity. In a PG-13, they get one F word, and they always want to use it. All of a sudden, there's an F word, and it's in the movie. And I went to, uh, I saw a commercial for a movie one time. I was like, man, that looks like a really good movie. And I go to IMDb, and I go to The Parent Guide. Have you guys ever gone there? No, you guys don't do that. Okay, you're watching, listening to all the cussing. I got it. So uh, you go to The Parent Guide, and I was reading. It will tell you sexual content, issues, all these kinds of things. And it would say how many profanity words. One of them said, lost count. One of them said like 170 F-words. What do you think is going to happen after you just keep listening to that? What do you think is going to start spewing out? You're going to say those, aren't you? I've done the same thing because it's in there. You start thinking it. But the thing is we want to guard our minds. 
be careful about what we watch, but even the culture has a standard of what's right and wrong with the movie system and even uh, music. When Paul says, obscene, filthiness, crude joking, the church at that time knew it. We know what he means today. Now, there are arguments made today that the apostles used curse words when Peter denied Christ and somebody asked if he was one of the disciples. He used a curse, but it wasn't a profanity word as he was just using it regularly. Again, the apostles didn't go into the world, the world and cuss people out and win them to Jesus. They didn't do that. And the apostle Paul, here's one that is, uh, people are using today as a defense for cursing. Paul says this in Philippians 3.8. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. The comparison is Christ or the rest of everything else and he compares it to rubbish, garbage, a dung pile. And so somebody says, well, Paul says dung or rubbish so it means we can actually use those words. And that's not what Paul's saying. He's making a comparison. Heaven and Christ is so much better than everything else in the world. I compare it, it's a loss to me. It is rubbish. It is garbage. He's not cussing people out. He's not joining in the language of the people. He is doing a comparison. Now, here's one of the things I wanted to deal with, and I said we would a couple weeks ago. The whole let's go Brandon trend. And you know the story where it came from. The NASCAR guy wins, and, and the people were saying... Um, what they say in the background, and the interviewer, obviously a liberal a media person, says, oh, they're saying, let's go Brandon. It becomes a mockery, and so people are saying that because they don't like the president. I get it. I, when I first heard it, I laughed. I thought it was hilarious because of the scenario. It, it's such a cultural phenomenon. Listen to this. So popular that it, has, it became a, like the top three songs on the list of hit songs was the Let's Go Brandon songs. That's how, like, what's going on is radical, how bad things are and what people are seeing. But I want to speak to you about that a little bit. When I was thinking about that and they were singing and saying and chanting those things, it made my mind go back to the Old Testament with King Saul and King David. And the people began this chant, and they're singing a song as King Saul is coming into uh, the city there. And they're saying this, Saul has killed his thousands, David has killed his ten thousands. It was a comparison, it was a mockery of Saul, he was upset about it, because of that he wanted to kill David, but it was a song of mockery. And so I get some of that and why people are doing it. We're upset at a bad president. He's hurting the economy, especially here. This is the first place I've ever lived that businesses fly flags that oppose the president. But here it is. Uh, we, have, we have the stickers. We have those things. Are, we shouldn't be saying that in front of our kids, unless your kid's name is Brandon. But here it is. And, and it doesn't help when the president actually agreed with it. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. It's like it's, like, it's confusing. Um, but I get why people are upset. You know, if a political leader is making a mess of things, but here's the deal. It's better, prayer is better than profanity. When things are going bad in the world, and I see that stuff, I laugh, you know, and sometimes and I'm tempted to, to say those things. I say, let's go Jesus, you know. But, but prayer is better. The Bible instructs us that we are to pray for those who are in authority. Um, that things might be made right, that we can live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. 
that we're to be interceding in prayer for people. And if the president, or any president for that matter, any given moment is bad, then we pray that God is moving to influence them to do right. That God would give them advisors, that people would stand and withstand evils, but that something would change. Now here's a prayer you can pray. You can write this down. Psalm 109.8. This is great. It says this. This would be your prayer. May his days be few. <laughs> May another take his office. We should be praying that God does remove. Now I do believe this. Sometimes God allows people in office because we assume everything is well. And we forsake God and things get bad. And it's the same story throughout the book of Judges. There's a cycle where they forsake God and bad things happen. And then the people turn. What, when are you on your knees and praying and wondering when is things going to be better is when things are bad. When things are good, we're like, oh, we're good. Everything's fine. But it drives us to our knees to be praying for people to be saved, for God to make things right, for God to act. Now, here's the thing. Why should I stop? Matthew 12.36, I tell you, here it is. There's a reason why we should stop. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they say. God thinks our speech is important. And He's keeping record of those things. This is what I've always said. I hope when this thing is brought up, that what we do is we see I did this, and then I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, he, he made these things right. But God keeps an account. We should recognize that we give account for what we say. We should recognize that it could be a generational curse and that you need to break it. The Elkins had a generational curse of losing their temper. My great-grandfather shot at my dad. He lost his temper and just fired a gun at him. Uh, we had these anger issues that we had to take and allow God to be victorious in our life to overcome. I had those things going on in my life. When you're speaking that way, maybe your grandfather and great-grandfather spoke that way and your father spoke that way or your mother and it's passed on to you. You don't want to pass that on to your kids. They will pick it up. Um, your children will repeat what you say and what they hear you say. Our speech is to be formed by grace. The Bible talks about having salt and light. That our speech should be salty and good to people. Um, that we should preserve godly language. This is sacred what we do. My testimony matters. Uh, another, It's not Christ-like to live that way, to live like the world. We are called as Christians to live holy. Now Peter says this, that we as obedient children are not to conform to the passions of the former ignorance. We are not to do life like the world. He says that we are to live holy in all our conduct. That means what we say, what we do, and how we live because people notice. Now, how do I stop? First, confess this to Christ and let Him cleanse you. Recognize it is an issue. When I lose my temper, this comes out. I've made this a, a regular habit. And we confess it. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful, He is just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Forgive us, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Uh, we are to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. Flesh tells me to be careless with the things I say. Um, develop new patterns and habits. I, I used substitution words. It seems nerdy when you say darn it. You know, it just it seems that way, but it actually helps you develop a skill of habit and behavior. Um, I had a, a, a pastor years ago teaching substitute words. Uh, he was actually saying substitute words are just as bad as the original. And he actually used one in a lesson. I was like, hey, aren't those substitute words? <laughs> and he's like, oh. <laughs> and, uh, but it can help train you. 
If you're working on controlling your your speech along the way, it helps develop self-control. Add self-control to your faith. Cut off some of the music and the movies that glorify these things. You're indoctrinating yourself with singing those. Sometimes an old song comes on the radio, and I'm, you know, we're jamming out to it, and we're like, whoo, (laughs) you know, we don't need to listen to that one, and no one needs to listen to those anymore. We should be careful of the environment we're in, and when we go to an environment, we there should be some awkwardness. That we are different. That people notice that. And it, it doesn't always feel good. You don't always feel accepted. But there's something different. And when people see something different, they don't call their friends that cuss everybody out and get drunk. They call the person that's awkward. Uh, they call them for prayer. Now here it is in, in closing. I want to close speaking about language. Many tribal languages of North and South America have been lost. Many tribes today are fighting to keep their language alive so they can be passed on to the next generations. Uh, since 1950, the number of unique languages spoken throughout our world has steadily declined. There's languages that, have, that don't exist anymore because the entire tribes have passed on and no one passed on the language. Um, the Chittimacha tribe of Louisiana, you can look this up, it's really interesting about them. They lost their last fluent speaker of Chittimacha language in 1940. But since then... Um, the Chittimacha tribe began reviving the language in a collaboration with the Rosetta Stone Endangered Language Program. So they started to figure out how can we understand this language better and preserve it. And uh, with no native uh, Chittimacha speakers in existence anymore, the tribe's cultural department began its language revitalization program in 1997. And they're working with Rosetta Stone today. You can actually get apps and learn Native American languages. They've done this because they decided we want to preserve our language. And they found these, uh, these wax cones that had recorded tribal songs and languages decades ago. They have recorded those, and now they have been digitized, and they're reteaching them to their people. Here's what happened. When white man came and all this was happening, they were trying to educate that they thought they were heathens, and they were trying to educate them into English. As they're educating them into English and trying to educate them uh, in the language of English, uh, English language, they were telling them they couldn't speak their native language anymore instead of teaching them a new language. And so they were trying to do away with the old to give them the new. And so a lot of people have, or a lot of tribes have lost their language. Uh, Kimberly Walden, the cultural director of the Chittimacha tribe and a key figure in the three-year effort to preserve the language and to put it into a software, says this, language is really the heart of any culture. It's not just about learning the words. It's about a connection to the past. And as they're developing this and they're learning these things, and we're not saying that some of the tribes have done in other cultures, all of that is right. But what they realize is that language is important. And as Christians, we have forsaken the fact that language is important to us as Christians. We have received the knowledge of God. And with that, there is a language. There's a way of speaking. And here's the thing, church. The Christian language is designed to translate into any language. But the language can be lost when Christians forsake godly words uh, and give up the gospel for ungodly language of the world. We not only lose the knowledge, the language, we lose our testimony of everything we represent. And with that being said, I just want to ask you today as we close in prayer, will you commit to live under conviction of the Holy Spirit? 
Would you be willing to say, you know what, I want to give up speaking like the world, and I want to be fully committed to Christ. I want to be on fire for God. I don't want to go into a situation and I act exactly like everyone else. And where's the testimony in those things? So we're asking, um, would you commit today to the pure language that Christ talks about and Paul, um, to pure action and a pure life? Let's close in prayer. God in heaven, we thank you. We thank you that we have knowledge of you. With that, you have given us a language, the language of heaven, the good news. Everything about you has been written down. And, and I pray that we become a people that recognize that our testimony matters. That we are testifying of Christ's work in our life. And that we feel conviction. And wherever you've convicted anybody today, if you've spoken to them, that they say yes and respond. That these are the words we don't say because we represent Christ. That we don't represent the language of those who get drunk and those who don't care about eternity or any of those things. That we adopt the pure language. That we have self-control of what we say. And Lord, that you would make our hearts today new. Lord, that you would revive us. Let the heart be good so the things that come out are good. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. And church, if you would stand. Now, every time I've spoken about a subject like this, I'm tempted. It's like temptation comes. Anytime I've ever preached about being uh, obedient to law enforcement and if you get pulled over, I end up getting a ticket, you know, so I quit speaking about that as much. But I... Uh, but as you go today, just allow God to speak to you and be obedient to his conviction in your life. You are dismissed. Go in grace and peace. God bless you.